The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome again today to another Conversations with Carlton, a podcast produced by the Texas Economic Development Council. Uh, today, it is our sincere pleasure to welcome uh, the one and only Tom Mullins, President and CEO of the Tyler Economic Development Council and the Tyler Chamber of Commerce. Tom, welcome to our podcast. It's great to have you with us. Look, Looking forward to a great conversation today. Thanks, Carlton. I appreciate the invitation. Tom, um, you have had uh, one of the better careers in economic development that I know about and can think about um, over my many years in our business. Uh, I'd like for you to, to talk, tell the audience a little bit about how you got into economic development and then, of course, uh, given our interest, more importantly, how you got uh, to Texas and uh, 30 years ago, by the way, uh, and your role as president um, and CEO of the Tyler uh, Chamber of Commerce. Great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got into economic development through the side door, if you will, like a lot of folks in, in the profession, didn't really set out to do economic development, didn't even know about economic development, <clears throat> knew about chamber work. Um, but I, I, I ended up getting a master's in regional community planning from the University of Minnesota. Um, my undergrad focus was really more, I had more interest in, I was in pre-law and then criminal justice. And <clears throat> But then I, I went back and got a master's uh, from the University of Minnesota uh, and, and started working for the Regional Planning Commission in Northeastern Minnesota based in Duluth, <clears throat> covering the seven county area, which is that big arrowhead of the state of Minnesota that's uh, bounded, bordered by uh, Lake Superior. And uh, basically did grant writing and program development. And then after doing that for a couple of years, that started, um, well, like around 1977, the director of the organization came to me and said he wanted to make a change in the economic development uh, management position and asked me to move from criminal justice over to that, which I agreed to do, and then realized I, I got to figure out what this is all about. And I, I went back and I took 12 credits of accounting. Uh, I took uh, uh, more statistics. I had some statistics in, in the graduate program, had some economics in the graduate program. Uh, but I, you know, I, I went through the uh, Oklahoma Institute, first of all, basic uh, in Illinois, and then went through all three years of the uh, Institute and, and really liked what I got into and had some success. Started a, uh, back then was a SBA 502 loan organization. Uh, that's now a 504 <clears throat> and, uh, and started a regional economic development uh, small business assistance program. <clears throat> so after doing that for a few years, I was approached by one of the regional participants in uh, an advisory board for the planning commission who wanted me to come out and be the first director of a economic development startup in Grand Rapids, Minnesota, 
the other Grand Rapids, which is about 80 miles inland from Duluth, kind of about 10,000, but serving the whole county. And it truly was a startup. It was funded by a large um, corporate foundation that had a big paper mill in Grand Rapids called the Blandon Foundation, Blandon Paper Company, and had a lot of success there in a couple of years. Uh, you know, did a business incubator with Control Data Corporation, set up a $1 million uh, loan uh, fund, um, put infrastructure into a business industrial park that had empty for years, no activity, <clears throat> became a uh, Minnesota star city, which was a program to promote economic development across the state. Uh, in fact, the, uh, at the time, uh, the person that was running that program was a guy named Mark Dayton, who just ended being governor of Minnesota. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He, he had served as the director of economic development and uh, and later on he became a U.S. senator and then the governor of the state. And he had to he had to step down because of some health issues, but really a pro economic development, pro growth guy. Uh, in fact, he even offered me a position with his state organization when I was in Grand Rapids, and the timing just wasn't right. So after a couple of years there, I got a call from a headhunter to take a position in Rochester, Minnesota. They had an old World War II industrial foundation that owned a bunch of property, but it was pretty dormant and they wanted to get more aggressive. And so we started uh, the Rochester Area Economic Development Organization. I did that for five years. And then I got a phone call from a headhunter who started in the middle of December, incidentally, not even halfway through wintertime in Minnesota, which starts in sometimes late October and runs through the first of May. It's a long winter. <clears throat> and he started the conversation by saying, would you be interested in a job in the Sun Belt? And I, uh, I'm looking out my office window at a Canadian uh, goose landing on some ice and sliding across the ice. <laughs> I said, you know, you caught me at an interesting time here. Um, so uh, by now I had gone through uh, the Economic Development Institute, I got my certification, I passed that test, I got a real estate license, and um, really was approaching economic development at the time in a fairly unique way, and that was, I just thought it was important for me to have skills like real estate, finance, I went through the NDC finance training uh, sequence, and um, marketing, uh, and of course, you're always dealing with um, local politics and state politics and economic development. And I just really uh, dove into that and, and got some very specific skills on how to package economic development deals, how to use tax abatements, tax increment financing, enterprise zones, revolving loan funds, uh, real estate uh, write downs. And that background was very attractive to Tyler. I ended up coming down here, in fact, 30 years ago this month, January of uh, 1989, to talk to the Tyler folks about the startup down here. And of course, Texas at that time was really struggling because of the oil and gas collapse in, 
And as a state, we were very dependent. I think something like 18, 19% of the state economy was directly or indirectly tied to energy. And so when energy collapsed, it pulled everything down with it. And the folks in Tyler, which was a regional energy capital, had a lot of geology and um, petroleum engineering regional offices here, and they began closing. And that, all that activity connected to production and exploration of oil and gas just came to a halt. And, they, and this, the community was, was struggling. And this new group called uh, Tyler Economic Development Council the city of Tyler and uh, Smith County, and it um, it was a flat startup. They they <laughs> they had funding. They had about twenty members because this was not a part of the city. And this, of course, was the same year that Senator Bill Ratliff was able to pass the half cent sales tax for economic development. More and more cities started having elections and and um, trying to be more competitive in that. This group that I was hired by was a private membership investor group. Uh, they owned some property you know, on the West Loop in Tyler, the old World War II type industrial foundation group. But most of their activity had been staff supported by the director of the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, this new group was going to be set up separately from the chamber, uh, 501c3. And so starting off with 20 members and about $140,000 in the bank. I said, sure, I'll come down there. And now I look back on it and think there was really no commitment beyond three years. And, um, and it was, you know, as, as always in economic development, there's never any guarantee that you're going to have the success that people are going to want to keep you. But as it turned out, the, the mindset in Tyler for the most part was very pro uh, economic development. They had not had someone with economic development experience in the past. Uh, people have been kind of doing it. Uh, chamber of Commerce approach. So my my style was very different and it was very aggressive and uh, caused some friction. I mean, I know now from talking to people uh, that they thought I was very pushy. Typical Yankee, you know, coming down here to uh, pretty East Texas, <laughs> starting all these crazy things, uh, setting up economic development tools, tax abatements, tax increment financing, enterprise zones, and uh, we particularly had a newspaper, family-owned newspaper. We thought it was just terrible. That um, you know, uh, we call that um, mentality now, Carlton, the the Tea Party. You know, they yep. they economic developers are involved in picking winners and losers and interfering with the free market system and and uh, taking credit for stuff that was going to happen anyway. And the paper was just brutal. <laughs> they were constantly uh, writing negative editorials about what we were doing and and being uh, being very critical. But we we went on and actually being attacked by by that group gave us some supporters that we we wouldn't have had otherwise. They thought, you know, this guy needs get more support and more people started joining. So now here we are 30 years later, that same economic development organization, Tyler EDC, went from 20 members to 124 members and from 140,000 in pledges and 
$10 million balance sheet. We own uh, three business industrial parks. We operate a revolving loan fund. We own, we share property downtown uh, with the Chamber of Commerce um, where uh, we have a five-story office building right in the heart of the city that uh, we use half of it and we rent out the rest of it. It's a, it's a revenue source for us. Uh, and so, and we've had, we've had a lot of success. In fact, after I was here three years in 1992, the, the leadership of the chamber came to me and asked me if I would also take over responsibility for the chamber and the visitors bureau, which I did because we had a, we had an individual, uh, Henry Bell, who was an excellent chamber manager. And so Henry became the COO of the chamber, handled the daily operations, and I became the CEO of both the EDC and the chamber, split my time 70-30. And um, we've had we've had considerable amount of success. You know, we we've won the award that Texas EDC gives out, uh, the CETA award, uh, three times. And um, we've Tyler now is a much more diverse economy than it was in the 1980s. Instead of 18% tied to energy, it's about 8%. And now we are, have become a regional center for um, manufacturing, distribution, technology, finance, medical, retail, education. In fact, we've got 23,000 full-time college students here now between UT Tyler, Tyler Junior College, and Texas College, a historically black college. And that, that brings a lot of youthful energy into our community. So it's a very different landscape 30 years um, since we started. And, um, you know, Tyler, I think, is better off uh, not being dependent on one or two sources of revenue. Like any community, you don't want to be tied to one or two industries. You don't want to be just a manufacturing center or just a, a tourist destination. Tom, you, uh, you've had one of the, the most remarkable careers in economic development in our state's history. Uh, you know, you really, you truly are a, a living legend. Um, what, what got you um, into getting involved with the TEDC um, and, and what prompted you to uh, rise in the leadership of the TEDC? Well, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I just have, um, ever since I started my career, I, I just have a very, a very strong commitment to working collaboratively, collaboratively on a regional basis and on a state basis. I was very active with the Minnesota Industrial Development Group. In fact, in 1989, the year that I ended up taking the job, and I started in June of 89, and Tyler, I was the chairman of the Minnesota Economic Development uh, Group. In fact, I think that's the first time you and I met. Uh, we, the, we, we did, we met in Chicago. Yeah, one um, of the, the Midwestern meetings in Chicago. And, and um, you know, uh, my colleagues at the Fantasy Corporation at that time uh, told me all about you. They had done some work um, when you were in Rochester and, and, and then right before you went to Tyler, they'd done some work in Tyler 
And yep. then I, I distinctly remember meeting you. I think I met you in our offices in the Prudential building. In downtown. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, you know, in those days, I was the only one at Fannis in, in either the Chicago or New Jersey offices that had any semblance of a Southern accent. So, uh, you know, they, they, um, they, they, they wanted me to meet the, the new guy that was on his way to Tyler. And, uh, of course I was very impressed. And I remember us hitting it off in the, in the 10 minutes or so we had to visit, but I remember going back to my office thinking, Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, how is this quote unquote Yankee going to make it in Tyler, Texas? <laughs> well, and maybe it was just because I was kind of, um, happy and dumb. I just didn't, I didn't worry about it. I just came down and started implementing stuff that I had been doing successfully in Minnesota, but I'm glad you mentioned the fantasy connection because, uh, Part of the commitment that the leadership in Tyler ha had implemented to, to become more aggressive in economic development was they went to Dr. Ray Perriman, who's a native of the Tyler area, who up, grew up in Lindale, just north of Tyler, graduated in 1972 as a valedictorian of the Lindale High School, went on you know, to Rice and to Baylor and got his economics degree. He had done um, kind of a, economic input output analysis of the region's economy and said here's you know here are the strengths here are the weaknesses and then uh Fandus was hired to come in and do a more detailed analysis of what's going on in terms of the community's strengths and weaknesses and came up with a five-year plan of action to turn things around and uh, strategy laid out they had a budget uh, proposed and the local group went with that. I then came in as kind of the last piece of that. Some, they needed somebody with experience to implement that strategy. So that was a great way to start down here. Uh, a lot of work had been done by a highly respected uh, consulting group and by Ray Perryman. And so um, Fannis played a big role in what happened in Tyler, Texas. Well, well, I remember, you know, that, um, uh, you know, they were so impressed with you knowing you from Rochester and then having done that work in, in Tyler, they were, I, I just remember everybody that had anything to do with either one of those projects uh, and who knew you, they were excited and um, you know, they, they knew you would, you know, go into Tyler and do a great job. And of course, here we are 30 years later, um, and, and that certainly has been the case. I'd, you know, I'd like you to talk a little bit about, okay, so you were in a leadership um, capacity in your chair in Minnesota. Uh, tell us about your kind of your route through leadership uh, in the TEDC once you got your feet on the ground and up and running in Tyler. Yeah, the other TEDC, right? The other TEDC, yes. <laughs> Because I had that, that uh, propensity to be involved in professional associations, I jumped right in to the, at that time, the Texas Industrial uh, Association. And they, they were just in the process of changing that name. Right. 
I got active in the committee structure and and and, and worked my way up uh, uh, through the process. And in 2004 and five, became the chair of the Texas CDC. And uh, and I'm still active. You know, I've been on the board uh, two or three different cycles. I'm currently on the board, finishing my last uh, two-year term. And I'm just a big advocate of state associations and 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 what what they do. And I think Texas certainly is the the uh, hallmark of all 50 states in terms of how it should be done. And I was even involved, as you know, Carlton, in the selection process to bring you on. How many years ago now? 14? Well, um, on the on February 1st, it will be 20 years. Oh my God, 20 years. 20 yeah. years, yes, sir. Yeah. And you know, the fact that you came in um, with an economic development background from a site selection perspective. So you you really had a view of Texas that was a national view. And 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 we were impressed with that, not to mention your organizational skills and management skills and communication skills. And and uh, you know, we had a, we had an association back then. You know, we had much smaller membership, but it has because of, of the mix skill set and the growth of Texas, uh, now we're, you know, what are we pushing? 900 members, um, very active organization, very effective committees, a PAC organization has, a, you guys, uh, we, I should say, have, a, have an impact statewide on legislation that affects uh, economic development. Um, and, and we've become the go-to state organization for the governor's office and uh, state legislators and state committees, it's it's gratifying to see that. I mean, people get generally, even though we have, and you and I have talked about this, Carl. In any, if you look at the political continuum, um, there's 20% on the right that we talked about a little while ago that thinks we're interfering with the free market and we should just go away. And then you go over to the left side of the political continuum, and you've got the critics of economic development because they think we're providing corporate welfare. We're helping rich people like Barry Jones build a new AT&T stadium or Donald uh, Trump type of person uh, building, doing public-private partnerships. Uh, but fortunately in Texas, that 60% in the middle gets it. They, they understand that if we're doing economic development and we're retaining and creating jobs and bringing new growth and investment to communities, that's a good thing. Uh, they just want it monitored. They want it, They want it, a contract. They want to be sure that if someone says they're going to create a certain number of jobs and invest, invest a certain amount of money, that it, that it be monitored and um, it be completed. And if it's not, then the, the incentive there's a clawback, as we all know, in the, in the incentive language that that has people uh, required to perform. They don't perform, they pay back the incentive, or, or they lose the incentive, or both. So I think the Texas EDC has been an, an amazing resource to help local communities learn how that's all done, to understand what, what, are, what are the basics of economic development, 
You know, here we focus on primary jobs and we have a four-part strategy, retaining and, and expanding existing companies, helping new companies get started, attracting companies, and then creating incentives and infrastructure to, to support everything. And you've, you know, you through TEDC have been, one of, one of the things you're constantly doing is going out to communities and, and explaining what economic development is and, and giving people at a local level the tools to do it successfully. Of course, it's 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 a challenge because we're in a we're in a metro area in Tyler Smith County of two hundred and thirty thousand, but there are a lot of members of TEDC that run our small communities, and you've got volunteers trying to do this, and they couldn't do it well without the support of the Texas EDC and uh, other regional groups and and uh, state resources. So, I. I a very proud member of the Texas CDC, and I'm, I'm always referring people to this organization to get more knowledge and get more networked in this profession. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, to my knowledge, you're the only past chair of the TEDC that has ever gone back onto the board. And again, I think that's a really cool thing. And it's been, it's been cool to have you back um, in, in the board capacity, uh, even though, I mean, things haven't changed. You've, you, you, you were a strong participant in the years after you were chair, but it's neat to have you back on the board. Uh, and, and it's a cool thing that, uh, to my, again, to my knowledge, no one else has ever done. So uh, um, thank you for, for being that person and doing that. Now, I've got another question for you and, and you have all this, uh, this wisdom and knowledge and experience. Where, where, where's, our, uh, where's our business going? Where's our world going, do you think, um, in the future? If, if, if you were uh, to look at taking a job like the one you did in Tyler 30 years ago, um, what would somebody looking at a 30 year career like you had, what, what was that, what would that continuum look like uh, beginning here in early 2019? Yeah, I think the most obvious answer to that Carlton is you've got to think uh, globally, you know, uh, 30 years ago, communities were their own little fiefdoms. They were, they were connected to a regional economy. Uh, certainly there was some uh, multi-state and national uh, trade going on in, in every community. Uh, people were kind of isolated or parochial, I think, in their view, and didn't necessarily feel connected to the national, let alone the global. Now it's just the opposite, you know, with, with the telecommunication capability, internet capabilities, everybody is trading nationally and internationally. And I think anybody coming into economic development at this point really has to have that kind of global perspective. Um, and we've had to evolve to that here. And uh, I, I just think you're gonna see more, more of that despite what we're dealing with nationally now with all this kind of confusion about 
tariffs and trade wars, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think that'll settle itself out just because the free market system works. Um, as Dr. Perriman will tell you, or countries have to trade. You can't yeah. just trade the same dollar bills in your own local economy. You have to reach out globally and market yourself and, and open up new markets and, and buy and sell products. And I think that that will get there again. But right now there's, you know, there's just some uh, confusion and some hesitation. Um, I'm curious about that, that, that you mentioned that, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, we just had a group in the, earlier today uh, that was from El Paso and um, representing uh, Southern New Mexico, El Paso and Juarez. And they showed us a map of the 26 countries represented in the greater El Paso, Juarez, Southern New Mexico economy, 26 countries doing or trading or having a, a presence in that region. Curious, what does that look like in, in Tyler and in, in, in your um, regional economy there? Yeah, we're seeing more and more interest uh, from an international level. I don't have a uh, list of uh, companies in front of me, but you know, there, there are probably, you know, if you just look at the appraisal district of tax records, there are probably about 10,000 or so businesses in the Tyler Smith County economy. Now about half of those are just DBAs. They're people that set up a, a corporate structure just for a particular purpose but the rest of them you know about 5,000 are are working at full-time and I'm seeing a, a larger larger percentage of those are providing some product or some service that is um, going internationally and uh, you know we have we have recently had a an expansion of a um, kind of engineering um, lubricant related uh, international company owned by a German group called Kluber. Uh, they acquired a company here called Summit <clears throat> that had started here uh, three, four decades ago. And, and, and now that they're very international. We have uh, Fresenius, uh, based in, uh, also based in Germany. They just opened up a 500 employee corporate support center. They provide uh, all kinds of staffing, administrative, financial, technical support to outpatient kidney dialysis clinics west of the Mississippi. Wow. And they, yeah, uh, and they built a beautiful 80,000 square foot building in, in one of our business parks. And right across from them is another medical related company based in St. Louis called Centene. And um, they've got 300 employees and they process um, medical claims. So we're seeing more and more national companies looking at Texas and thank goodness, you know, Texas is by far the number one business uh, climate state in the nation. And, you know, this gets back to something we talked about a minute ago, Carlton, that some people say, you know, that's all we need. We need, we just need to be, have a competitive business climate. We don't need to be doing all these incentives and inducements. And you and I have always argued, why do we have to choose between those two? Why, why can't we do both? 
Why can't we have a very competitive business climate, tax climate, regulatory climate, and also have a very aggressive economic development strategy? And I think from what I'm seeing, we've kind of landed there now. I mean, we had, we had some pushback the last few years as, as the Tea Party had so much influence on the state legislature and at some of the local um, governments. But now we're seeing some more moderation and uh, balance between uh, business climate being uh, attractive and being aggressive with incentives. I think that bodes well for Texas. I think it's going to help Texas grow into the future. Absolutely. And, and you know, what what we know that lots of times the, the, the folks out there that are sort of commenting on us or at least grading us in their own minds is even with all that, we lose far more projects than we ever win. That's just the nature of our business. Um, I think there's this, this fallacy that uh, we just, we basically get whatever we, we want. And I call it the we're Texas, you're not mentality. Right. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is other states are competing or uh, just as competitive, if not more than we are. Other states win projects from us. Um, and then, you know, as, as you know, there are uh, market forces, many of them global, that are affecting businesses in Tyler or any other part of Texas uh, right now at this very moment that you and I and our fellow economic development professionals can't really do anything about, but it signifies the need for us to continually to be aggressive and be involved in, uh, as, as you were talking about earlier, uh, efforts to diversify our, our economies and to stay in the economic development realm. Well, and, and there's another way to look at that. And I've, I've, I've told groups that I've talked to local, state, and sometimes national level that I've always viewed the economy, <clears throat> excuse me, the economy like the life cycle of people. Businesses are born, businesses mature, and businesses die. So if a community is not constantly trying to keep prospects and potential companies in the pipeline, you don't just stay where you're at. You never reach an optimal size. We want to be 100,000, and then we're going we're gonna to stop. That's all we need. Because as soon as you stop, you start going backwards. And that's true at a local level, at a state level, and even nationally and internationally. You've got to be constantly promoting growth and development. Because the free market system is a natural uh, biosystem. It's a system that has birth, maturity, and death. And, and if you're not pushing growth constantly, uh, you're, you're not staying static. You're moving backwards. Well said, Tom. Well, uh, uh, beautifully said, I might add. Um, and, and, you know, we've been on an incredible run in the state post-Great Recession. Um, a lot of people forget that in Texas we lost about 450,000 jobs. Um, in 2008 and 2009. And so yeah. now we've been on a 10-year expansion. And, you know, we all know how economies go. Uh, 
there's uh, there's periods of expansion and then then there's always um periods of contraction so our our run that we've been on has just been fabulous but there will no doubt be a day when the economy contracts and and it's then it's all the more important that we're doing the kinds of things that you're doing um in economic development yeah and and, and that's been the cycle of, of of economies historically and the u.s is no exception and we're all kind of looking at this what's now a 10 11 year expansion and getting a little nervous about it but you know we we had Ray Perryman here. He, he comes to Tyler in January every year and he does an economic outlook. And he addressed that issue because, you know, people are looking at the economy, they're looking at the numbers and they're saying, when's this bubble going to, going to uh, burst? But he said, it isn't, it isn't automatic that you have to go into a recession on some kind of a cycle. He said, if you make reasonable decisions about the economy, and you, you, and that's really what the the Fed does. You know, they manage this national economy. I think incredibly well. They've allowed for gradual growth. Some people wanted faster growth, but they've kind of controlled that growth at a level where inflation has been under control uh, while we're growing, and we haven't overheated. We haven't stalled out. And he says there's no reason for that to change. Now there are forces that are unpredictable like uh 9-11 you know that there could be some kind of an international conflict that uh, redirects resources there could be natural disasters i mean my goodness look at what happened to houston and the gulf coast when the hurricanes hit a couple of years ago they're still recovering from uh, harvey and and uh, previous hurricanes and so those kinds of things will happen. Um, the best way for a local or a state economy to protect themselves from that is to be diverse and to have free trade and marketing between cities, between states, and internationally. Tom, you are um, you are one of the best, my friend, and it's been great to to. Um, have you uh, on today? I um, I don't know how many uh, people in the TEDC know about your life story. And oh. what I would like to do at some point in time, uh, not today, but yeah. with your um, with your permission and your interest, is to have another one of these um, podcasts with you and. Uh, for you to tell your story, a remarkable one at that, um, and, and tell that story via one of these uh, podcasts um, to our members and, to, and certainly to anybody else who wants to listen to it. Are you up for that, my friend? I think I could do that. Uh, and just to, to take some of the mystery out of it for people listening, what, what's Carlton talking about? Uh, just, <laughs> you know, the, um, it was an interesting life cycle story. I was adopted from Ireland and, you know, just uh, kind of a shaky start to a life. A, 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 a remarkable life and uh, 
one I can't wait to get get into the fact that I know the story. Um, but every time I hear you tell it, I learn something more. So let's uh, let's save the date for sometime later this year and get you back on, and uh, we'll do volume two of the uh, of conversations with Carlton and uh, and Tom Mullins. That'd be fun. Thanks, Carlton. Tom, thank you so much. Um, have a great uh, weekend, and we will see you soon. All right, my friend. Bye for now. Okay.